From the Dallas On Air Studios in beautiful Dallas, Texas, this is the Next Issue Comics Podcast here on DallasOnAir.com. And now here's your hosts, Clay Harrison and Kyle Conkins. Oh. Try it again. Hey now. <laughs> Welcome back, Thanksgiving folks. Uh, welcome to the Next Issue Podcast. We are a bi-weekly comic book podcast out of Dallas. We are part of the Dallas On Air Live family, and you can catch us as co-hosts on Just a Sec right after this. Uh, we are friends that love uh, talking about our lifelong love of comic books, and uh, Adrian is out today, uh, so it's just me and Kyle. What is up, Kyle? Kind of glad, but... Unhappy that the holidays are over. <laughs> it's, been, it's been one of those weeks. <laughs> how how is your week gone? Sort of ups, but a lot of downs too. Oh, <laughs> like no. every every time I thought I was going to have a good time, it's been, life decided to cock block me in that where I thought I was going to have fun. Oh, the life cock block. Yeah, it, that's it's worse. been a bitch. Um, <laughs> I'm happy to report for everyone following oh, yeah. my my kidney stone drama. I uh, I have passed my kidney stone in time to go back to work on Monday. So congratulations, See, true life believer. likes to cock block us all. It's like yeah, this I don't know what it is. It's just been nothing good has happened lately. It just be, seems to be a series of just shit uh, shitting on your life while you're just trying to get by. Yeah, best way yeah. to put it. Best way to put it. <laughs> so uh, so here's what what happened to me. So last. Like, oh my gosh, uh, not last Tuesday, the week before last Tuesday, I get up and leave work going, I have a kidney stone. Uh, I've had kidney stones at age 11, 22, and at 38, I had two. Boy. This was the worst one I've ever had, and it was the most pain. It's hard to explain to people. People always ask, and people compare it to birth. I... I want to say it's like being stabbed all the way through, Oy. and then them taking that rod and pulling it in, putting it back out, pulling it in, putting it back, you just back and forth, uh, ripping you apart, and that is what a four millimeter kidney stone will do to you. God. So, so I hit care now. Four hours later, I'm in the ER, and I'm just like, drugs, stop it, make no, it stop. No. <laughs> and so they give me meds, and they're like, well, you know, we took a CT scan, it's at the top of the kidney. Um, we've got <laughs> we've got non-refundable tickets in Austin for uh, a little vacation. How after, long were you guys down there for? Um, we, went, we went down on Sunday and came back on Wednesday. Okay, so that's a pretty good nice day. Okay. But I had a kidney stone the entire Yo, time. No, no, that I get. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, 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 get, I get that. I got, I got to see the Austin Care Now and discover that Care Nows don't share information outside of the the area oh, they're in. So if I you're in Austin, you that. yeah, I told you that. Well, I called, I called down there and was trying to get my paperwork. And they were like, "Oh yeah, if they're electronic, we're all connected." And I was like, uh, "Exactly." So uh, we had a nice suite uh, for me to curl up uh, by the toilet and vomit. So yay, that was my vacation. Yeah, it makes you so the pain is so unbearable. You just end up sick a lot. Remember my the, uh, the biggest time I remember anybody I know having a kidney stone was my dad. It was ninety three, and he had to go to the hospital. I forget which hospital it was, but I just remember going to his room, and, and they had this where they had they had this ultrasound kind of thing where they had they had they put you in a bathtub and would do sound waves to try to break it down. Yeah, but I remember like they were helping him with something, and I'm in his room watching Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> so, there is a relation to this there's story. Not, there's, there's always a pop culture reference for Kyle. I know. <laughs> Batman the Animated Series, kidney stones. Yeah. And I, well, I mean, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
So, uh, so we got back, and I've I've just been on the mend. And uh, EJ and his mom were back in town, and so they wanted to bring by a um, a wedding gift for Shelby and I. Okay, and uh, it's a Lego set. Uh, no, yes, no. okay, I saw that last night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so they swing by and talk, and, and uh, the house is a mess. We tried to clean the house before we left, and then coming back, you just dump everything no, I, everywhere. I know, I know, trust me. And so, I had a moment of embarrassment uh, where I have the not a comic book I would put out on display, Uh-oh. not a comic book I would put out for the general public. Just one I would um, – I'd probably show you guys off air. <laughs> Does it have a title? Um, yeah, but I'm not going to show you the cover. What? It's Veronica. Is it a vampire one? Um, I'm, I don't want you to show anything. I'm just going to – I'm going to get Zach's uh, – What the hell? I'm going to get Zach's <laughs> uh, when he sees the cover. Oh! <laughs> Yo. And then I wanted Kyle's. Oh. <laughs> I think you were going Archie-based. Oh, no. No, no, no. Give me, that, give me, that, give me Kyle's reaction again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, when well, you said Veronica, so I'm thinking Betty and Veronica. Oh, no, no, no. This is Veronica with a K. <laughs> a K we, and we, a T. Okay. So I had comic books out in, in my library. I turned my dining room into a library, and I have comics everywhere. And that one was sitting on top. Wait. And I take the family through. And when I came back through, I noticed that was on top, and I was like, oh, no. I hope Did you no buy that free, free willingly? No. Okay. This, How does... this, this was a gift. This was a gag gift from an old friend okay. who thought, oh, you love comics. I'll get you a comic. Oh, <laughs> it is the most disturbing and depraved what thing the... I've seen anything anyone ever put on paper. <laughs> uh, and it draws that kind of laughter. So... I so that's why I've had it, ladies uh, and gentlemen. The Serbian film of comics. Yeah, <laughs> I would put that up there. I would say yes. Wow, the, really? The Serbian I, film of comics. Oh. If y'all want to flip through it later, I want to apologize in advance okay. for the nightmares. Uh, let, let me make sure I'm stocked up on eye bleach here. <laughs> so uh, then well, I had the bag and board. He had the presence to get a bag and board. Well, for it was us. it was transporting it. I didn't want it to be broke. <laughs> Valid I mean, point. Valid I point. mean, totally lose value then. <laughs> So, <laughs> so do you guys? Do you guys have books you're, you you would never want anyone else to see? Not have- like not like that. But I do have stories of it. it was um, from about ninety six to late ninety seven. I was working for the Keith Comics, the Carrollton location. And behind the counter, we had, oh, the adult books. And we had week uh, yeah. one, two, three, and four. And, it, it, and just seeing the stuff that would people, can I see the adult stuff? And, it, and I was, I'm, and I'd be, if I'm by myself, I'm sitting there going, really? They make this kind of comic <laughs> They make any kind. When I mean, you find Tijuana Bibles, you always go, wait no, a minute. I'm now, having worked in an anime store for four years, knowing that we have the hentai and all the, uh, the dodinji manga come in, and that's like, this is, this beats the cake off any American stuff you can make. I mean, the tentacle stuff, tentacle yeah. porn, all that. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm, nothing phases me anymore when it comes to comic book base, but it's just, when you see that shit, it's like, oh, God. <laughs> I, I, I'm really more amazed when films like Serbian film, uh, when hentai get made, because you go, guys, I got an idea. Who's in? And you get <laughs> a group of people yeah. who go, 
I'm in. Yeah, yeah. You've seen some of that Japanese manga, and you go, "Wheel of Depravity." Turn, turn, turn. <laughs> Tell us the lesson that we should learn. Rule number twelve: Tentacles should not fit in there, yeah. but we're gonna make it. It's sad that you just did that voice because I was listening to Rob Paulson's podcast coming, and now I can only hear that stuck in my head. <laughs> Wheel of Depravity. Turn, turn, turn. Tell us the lesson that we should learn. Good night, everybody. <laughs> no, but what I love about it is like you, you when I worked upon anime, we had the, you know we had all the hentai porn and everything, and you, and you see all the tentacle stuff. You don't realize everybody thinks, oh, it's just tentacle porn. It's like, no, some of the stuff actually has story to it. Like, yeah. that's the, it's like, I sat, I sat one time, just took a few of the VHS home to watch. I'm like, going, there's actually more in depth story here than the normal shit. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad the US didn't find some way to adapt it and put it over here. <laughs> I go, wow, that story, uh, I don't know. What, how can we make it more American? Let's get Josh Brolin and do it. <laughs> How many tentacles do we fit in him? That's just so. So now, now for the less disturbing portion of our show. Oh, uh, what have you been reading, Kyle? What do I have you, Are you sure about that? <laughs> Honestly, I hate to say it, I haven't re- really reading that much. I, if you were to go, what am I been watching? Oh, I got a. Oh, okay, what have you been watching? Uh, well, I finished off the Shira season one. How was it? Awesome. Okay. Different, different. Don't expect the filmation or anything like that, but it's awesome. And then there was a new series. Oh no, I, sorry. You ever heard of a series called The Republic of Doyle? Yeah, I've been watching that more of that. Oh wow! And then there's the new Michael Douglas uh, series with Alan Arkin called The Kaminsky uh, Method, and that's actually been really good too. It's Chris, uh, uh, Chuck Lorre doing something good. Oh really? I mean, you well, watch- he doesn't have the filter of network TV. Yeah, my point is, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I was one of the people who jumped on the the Big Bang Theory when it first started. Now it's just gone. It's like okay, this is you know it's the same shit for twelve seasons. You've got moms, you've got you know two and a half men. This is it's him and Alan Arkin playing best friends, and they're like it's like almost us. We're not their age, but I mean, but we're, <laughs> older gentlemen who are just like we're getting there. I know, but we it's, just had our first kidney stone, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, we had our first kidney stone. Segment. But it is actually pretty good. I got yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's eight episodes. Haven't finished everything just yet, but um, it's it. it the first episode deals with Alan Arkin's wife dying of cancer, oh. and so yeah, that already hit, it hit me. But but it's it's him not being filtered and just realizes two men in their old age trying to deal with you know, it's being realistic but, friends. And, and they, from the previews, I've seen like they just don't give a shit. No, they don't, and that's yeah. where that's where that's, I'm like, I wish I could be like that. <laughs> um, what else you got? I only thing I've been uh, reading is now I've just been going back and uh, oh I haven't. I have to go back through, but I was trying to read uh, reread uh, Teen Titans uh, Earth One. I, I have both books, and I got I forgot how good the Earth One stuff was. I mean, you have Superman, you have Batman, you have Teen Titans, and now I, th- I think they've released it, or they will, will be releasing a Wonder Woman uh, Earth One. So it's like the Teen Titans stuff is pretty awesome. Okay, cool. Um, I picked up uh, some trades on sale from Comixology and dug into one that I'm, I am I dug quite a bit. It's, it's an action book, so it's really weird because it's like, I see this more as a movie, but it had great art, great cars, uh, Dead Body Road. I think you're going to go with Fast and Furious comic book. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't get me started. Where's the fanfic? <laughs> I'm working on some good place fan, uh, Fast and Furious fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> Janet's ride or die, you know. <laughs> okay, so the summary. Uh, let me let me give you the uh, the way they uh, describe it. Um, Dead body road. Men involved in his wife's deaths 
in his wife's death must die now. All of them. The volume collects the entire Dead uh, Body Road miniseries, a bruising story of one man's revenge, and the dark road he travels. It is messed up, violent, and so much fun. So if you dig that kind of stuff, uh, not a lot, I mean, probably fuck is said a billion times, and that's pretty much the dialogue of it, but you kind of get the gist of the story. At times, the art isn't telling me what I need, so I got lost on a page or two. Not So I give it four and a half, uh, four and a half out of five stars, because I really love seeing an action sequence like yeah. that. Um, have you read Oblivion Song, the Robert Kirkman book? No. Man, that's a weird book, but it's fun. The Les Kirkman thing I read, and I, I've never actually sat down and read an issue. I mean, I, I skimmed through an issue of maybe The Walking Dead, but yeah. I've never actually read the comic. The last thing I read was uh, Invincible. Oh, okay. That he's ever done. Yeah, I, and that's a fun book. Yeah. And then it gets real dark when it gets older. Uh, Oblivion Song, a decade ago, 300,000 citizens of uh, Philadelphia were suddenly lost in oblivion. The government made every attempt to recover them, but after many years, gave up. Nathan Cole won't. He makes uh, daily trips, risking his life to try and rescue those who may still be in the apocalyptic hellscape of oblivion. But maybe Nathan is looking for something else. Why can't he resist the siren call of the Oblivion Song? I just read the first six issues. Uh, arts, eh. <laughs> Story's fun. Uh, complete story in the first six issues sets you up for more. Uh, I'd, I'd probably go back for more, especially when I can get, get them on sale like that. And then I'm, I'm still reading Sweet Tooth. I'm like on the third volume, so... I, I, I got a question for you real quick. You, you said you were down in Austin. Can yeah. you tell me about this other comic shop you went to where it apparently has a toy museum attached to it? Okay, yeah. Uh, damn, now I'm going to forget the name it's of like it. It's like Comics and Brew or something? or Yeah, so they so they had a little shop uh, downtown that we walked to. Went upstairs. The shop is real small. Not a lot of back issues. Uh, just really there for a handful of trades. Uh, new comics. It sounds almost like Red Pegasus comics here in Bishop Arts. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's what they and, and it was actually even smaller than their wow. shop. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you kind of came in. They had like a little back issue section that was uh, maybe three rows, uh, maybe three long boxes. Mm-hmm. And then, but they had drawers and they were really nicely done. I picked up some old Uncanny uh, X Force Rick Remainder stuff. Jeez, okay. Yeah. I picked it up for cover price. Nice. I know. Um, and uh, then they had a, uh, a museum of toys that was like uh, $10 to go through the whole thing. and every. Uh, but we were we were trying to get to dinner, so we didn't no, get no, to I stay get for but, that. But was it a big – I mean, $10 for a, a – Well, that was a whole other section of the place, so we couldn't even see how far it went. Uh, okay. So – but, yeah, it was it was pretty nice. And the, and well, the guys there were nice. When, when it's, not that, it's not that. When, when uh, Shelby sent me the name, I was like, beer, comics? How have I not known about this? <laughs> <laughs> Why haven't you set that up here in Dallas? Uh, I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have a 24-hour podcast, comic book, beer yeah. studio. Oh. Uh-oh, Kyle's got it. I got ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Back to projection screen, we can throw on some movies. I'm, I'm, here's one. Have any of you guys watched season the next season of... Uh, I, didn't get, I didn't get to do this yet. Of um, MSTK? Mm-hmm. No. The, the Gauntlet? Oh, yes. we got we got to talk about that in just a second. I <laughs> yes. totally want to get into that. Okay, so the, we're getting into it just a sec. Yeah, the first movie alone makes me want to start it. Mac yes. and me, <laughs> Mac and me was so great. We were we were watching that just laughing our asses off. Oh god! But we we actually went between that and Shutter because Joe Bob had his marathon. Oh, so we started that and. You know, really, the second season of both of them may be better than the first. Uh, oh yeah. 
Joe Bob only does six films, but um, Texas Mick- Chainsaw Massacre is his favorite movie of all time. He knows more about it than anyone ever will, and he shares all of it, and it's so much fun. So much fun. So if you're not subscribed to Shutter, totally check out I, uh, Joe Bob's Twitter feed because he does have. Uh, I'm discounts. not knocking Shutter. I just I can't. I'm on. I I may have to drop some of the ones already. I'm, like I said, I've got Hulu, I've got WWE Network, and I've got a DC Universe right now, and I I, just, I can't do multiple streams anymore. I know. I I've really thought about getting rid of Hulu. Hulu's at the bottom of the list, but because most of the TV shows you can watch on the TV app, but they are getting yeah. some exclusives. Yeah. And then I, but but then like they got. Uh, Runaways, and they got Cloak and Dagger, and I still didn't watch all of them. So I don't think I'm getting my yeah. value out of that. I'm still tempted to get Night Flight just because of all <laughs> the weird stuff that's on. I had Night Flight, and let me tell you the better route. Do you have uh, Do you have a cable subscription? Do yeah. you have any? Okay, so do you get IFC? Yeah. So, uh, put the IFC app I, I on. Got, I got it. I've got. I've got. I've recorded all the show. Recorded. Okay. Yeah. Because they put uh, they put Night Flight episodes on the app. You can so you can watch them. So they'll have different ones on there. Uh, I subscribe to it, and a lot of them are not cleaned up. They're dirty. Uh, some of them just play and then dump to dead air. And wow. Yeah. So I hate to knock it, but I don't think that they were really. They really looked at what they had when they put it out. Right. So I actually have a read this week. Mm-hmm. Sandman Dream Country. Oh, what'd you think? Mm-hmm. It, it it's a really interesting story. I mean, because it's a kind of a go between and between all of them because you've got four kind of different stories. Um, I really enjoyed and was disturbed by Calliope. Okay, just wow. I mean, get, it has probably been a few decades since I've read this. So uh, refresh. Calliope, uh, uh, this author, uh, kid, kidnaps a mute. Basically, is. Uh, given a muse because one guy kidnapped her and then he takes her over and uh, she apparently had a relationship and a child with Sandman and uh, she to get to get around oh, where she is yes. she calls okay, now I remember. and man it is just the end of it the end of the guy comes to is just brutal um, you've also got a dream of a thousand cats which was kind of an intr- kind of a nice little segue yeah um, his version of a Midsummer Night's Dream, where he actually brings the actual characters and has Shakespeare play it. Uh, and uh, uh, this, what was that last one here? Uh, Facade, where uh, it's not a Sandman story; it's a it's a death story, and it's uh, someone wanting to die. And it's, oh. and it's just and it's just intense and beautiful at the same time. So basically, it's everything good that Neil Gaiman does that's not necessarily Sandman, but it's everything good that Neil Gaiman does within the Sandman universe. That's awesome, so man! It was, it was very cool. I need to revisit those. Like those are some stories I remember reading and just being, you know, like, oh, this comics can be so much more, and not revisiting them in a long time. Yeah, but yeah. The one Sandman story, and this goes back to the Sandman that I was reading back in the day, was Mystery Theater. But there was a crossover where it was Sand Mystery Theater crossover with Sandman. Yeah, that was how that was. I mean, it only happens for like all of it page in the book, but just the story. But you know, it's like he kind of gets thrown into the dream world, and, and Morpheus is like, "You're not supposed to be here," <laughs> but you realize there's like there's a connection between between the two. Yeah, it's like it was awesome. Um, man, I have like, oh, there we go. We got Daniel in the in the chat room here. Hey. Daniel, we would have we would have hollered at you to come on up, man. But it was last minute. We didn't know Adrian wasn't going to be here. Otherwise, we would have had you up. Daniel, you're welcome to call in, though. Yeah. Or if you're Nightcrawler, just teleport in. <laughs> That's right. 
And that's the other that another project I'm working on. Oh, here is, we go. Nightcrawler fan fiction. Um, old man Nightcrawler. I want to do uh, a cosplay of what Nightcrawler right, would look right. like I'm in on, that one. <laughs> on what Nightcrawler would look like in the world of Old Man Logan. I think we kind of already know. With that beard, he's got an uncanny X Men right now. I think he's kind of. Oh, it's going to be very beard heavy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If someone, yeah. If someone's text Daniel the number, uh, if anyone wants to call in, four six nine seven zero eight eight six zero nine. That's four six nine seven zero eight eight six zero nine. Phone line is open. Okay. I'll make sure. Um. One uh, and now on to the big news. Last time uh, we had a show, Stanley Stanley was with us, and yeah. now he no longer is. Uh, I feel like I've had this conversation so many times. It's like, yeah, it's. I mean, we're gonna miss the man, but honestly, a few people had said it after his wife passed away. They were wondering how much longer it'd be until he probably went. It just you hear those when. Couples who were very close, when yeah. one passes, the other one kind of just not gives within, up. Within, it, within it, the yeah. next year or two. Yeah. I mean, sometimes months. Yeah. Uh, and Joni, one of the great stories of Stanley is the story of his love of Joni and how they met. Mm-hmm. And he had been drawing this picture of this woman uh, his whole life. He just kind of had this sketch, and he would just draw this woman kind of over and over again. And then he went, I believe it was a blind date. And he was no. supposed to. It, it was he was supposed to go out with Joni's roommate, and he shows up. Well, no, but the, the story I've heard from like Kevin Smith and everything else is that he was about to leave a party, and he opens the door, and there's Joni, and she walks in. He goes, "Oh, wait a second. And that was that was how they officially met. Like he was about to leave a party that he was at, and it's like I'm tired. Oh, at a party. See, I had heard it was a, a a blind date. He went to go pick her up, and Joni was her roommate. And oh, see, I, maybe then maybe I'll, I'll have to find out. But yeah, well, okay, we'll dig deeper. I like I like uh, though. These different legends of I know. Him. Well, it's Stan Lee. How, How Stan Lee found know. love. These are Elseworld versions. It, there you go. <laughs> or D, I say, well, I say, these are what ifs. Smith was talking about how, like, the, the, apparently there's an interview that they have not been able to release just yet because it was all shot in 12K. It was a couple, like, a year or two ago, and, and it was before Joni passed. No, yeah, it was only a few months before Joni passed away. He was telling that, like I said, again, you know how much, if, you, if and I don't get me wrong, I love Kevin Smith. I'm a, I'll be a fan till the day I die, but they, when he talks, he can. Fill, you can you can have a comic shop with the stories you can just you know go on with, um, and he's talking about how like you know and you know he's interviewing Stan, then she comes on, and they talk about like you know uh, tell about one of the best stories, and she just went on this whole thing about how like he was ready to leave time uh, time comics, I think it was timely, timely, yeah, timely, and he goes, well, I'm done, I can't do this anymore. He goes, well, just, just for once, write your own story. Don't write for your bosses. Write the one story you want to do, and it was Fantastic Four. Yeah. And then uh, basically she goes, I can't believe blah, blah, blah. And then she went off. And it, it wasn't a tirade. It was more just like how she like, he's a real artist. And I can't, it's all about Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. None See, of, I had heard that before. he, the first thing he wrote was uh, Amazing uh, Fantasy 15. That, okay, so, so that, see? that <laughs> Fantastic Four was actually he, what he had, and, and we'll get into the Jack Kirby thing a little bit, but that Jack Kirby had written Challengers of the Unknown Gosh. that became Fantastic Four later i didn't think about that i always forget about the challengers because there were four of them yeah but they're like it was i got into, not an argument but like i've had the discussions you know we're talking about doom patrol and how x-men is sort of no sorry doom patrol the doom patrol and x-men were kind of the same thing yeah, when only they a few came months out. apart yeah, yeah. You know, like how like marvel wanted to rip off from dc i mean you know always go aquaman submariner you know all this different things yeah i mean like yeah, i think uh, swamp thing and man thing are created in the same year and 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 published within months of each yeah. other um do you want to get into the Jack Kirby stuff? 
I don't know much about it. Like, I, I just know like there was they they created the stuff together, and then there was some animosity because you know Kirby states that Stan didn't give him the credit or kind of took a lot of the credit from where where it was due for him. Yeah. Um. So everyone knows that you know Jack and Stan created most of Marvel together. Um. Did Jack Kirby or Steve Ditko? Uh, or Steve Ditko, or I mean, you can go through every additional artist that was uh, on some of these books uh, with Stan. But Stan, Stan's a salesman. Yeah. Stan, Stan's the guy who's going to get up and mm-hmm. preach and get people to buy your product, and that's kind of what you want. And Jack's not. Jack's a Jack's a guy who shows up to work and and does ten hours a day. Well, it's I mean, and the, I mean. I'm up there on this. I, I could be put on there, but it's it's artist. It's sometimes artists can you know they want to create. They're not there to try to sell. They have that's why they have agents. That's why you have representatives to sell your stuff. And so that's you know I mean I'm not, not I'm not blaming Jack. I mean I'm just saying like we we don't know. And it's yeah. like you know sometimes when you're up there trying to you're creating the Fantastic Four, you're creating Daredevil, you're creating Captain America, the Avengers. It's like you're not you're, you're there trying to get your art in on time so you get paid, not yeah. really worrying about hey. How you know? I'm creating this comic book character, uh, this, this big green dude called the Hulk and Thor and Iron Man. I'm not, and I'm more worried about am I going to pay my rent? Not where the next sixty issues are going to come in. And so it's like, it's. Oh, it, I mean, the, 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 the one thing I've learned, and I can apply this to everything, is going from teaching teaching part time at a university to teaching full time. You realize the political BS that there is. When, when you're part time and you don't have to hear all, and you're just kind of like, oh, you're oblivious. And then when you go full time and you're like, you're, you're thrown into all the meetings, and everything. It's like, oh my god, like people I thought loved each other hate each other. And so yeah. I'm sure it's the same thing in the world of comic books. Well, um, we've we've pulled some audio. Do you, do you have that interview yeah. queued up? Yeah. Um, this this is from uh, ni- uh, 1987. Uh, WBAI Jack Kirby 70 70th birthday. Um, it's Earthwatch with Robert Knight, with Warren Reese and Max Smith. Uh, they're interviewing Jack uh, about his work and his history, and um, I'll post the whole video for everyone who wants to listen to it. Uh, we've got it queued up because uh, Stan Lee calls in to wish Jack a happy birthday, and this, I believe, is their last public exchange. Uh, this is 1987. Jack would pass in 1994. Here we go. Give me one sec. We're going to open a door, a very special surprise door, Jack. And uh, let me mention, this is Earthwatch on WBAI in New York. I'm Robert Knight, here with Warren Reese, also with Max Schmid in the studio. We're speaking with Jack Kirby live. And now we can announce the very special surprise guest that we have for tonight's program, your uh, colleague or uh, in arms, Stan Lee. Good morning, Stan. Are you? Hey, up? how you doing? Okay. And I just uh, I want to wish you... Jack, a happy birthday. This is a hell of a coincidence. I'm in New York, and I was tuning in the radio, and there I hear him talking about Marvel, and I figured, well, I might as well call and not <laughs> let this occasion go by without saying many happy returns, Jack. Well, Stanley, I want to thank you for calling, and uh, uh, I hope you're in good health, and uh, I hope you stay in good health. I'm doing my best, and the same to you. You know, you were talking earlier about... Um, 
your drawing, and people sometimes criticized your figures and so forth. I uh, I always felt that the most important thing about your drawings, I remember when I was a kid and I first saw Captain America, it wasn't the correctness of the anatomy, but it was the emotion that you put in. To me, nobody could convey emotion and drama the way you could. I didn't care if the drawing was all out of whack because that wasn't important. You got your point across and nobody could ever draw a hero like you could. And I just want to say without getting too saccharine that one of the marks, I think, of a really true great artist is he has his own style. And you certainly had and still have your own style, and it's a style that nobody has even been able to come close to. And I think that's something you can be very proud of, and uh, and I'm proud of you for it. I have to thank you for uh, helping me to keep that style, Stanley, and uh, uh, helping me to uh, evolve all that. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm certain that uh, whatever we did together, we... Uh, we got sales from Marvel, and I... I think it was more than that, Jack. We certainly got the sales, but whatever we did together, and no matter who did what, and I guess that's something that'll be argued forever, but I think that the product that was produced was really even more than a sum of its parts. I think there was some slight magic that came into effect when we worked together, and um, I, I am very happy that we've had that experience. Well, uh, I was never sorry for it, Stanley. Uh, it, it was a great experience for me. And uh, certainly, uh, if the product was good, that was my satisfaction. And uh, I've, I've always felt like that. And uh, I, I think uh, it's the feeling of every good professional. And uh, uh, it, it's one of the reasons I respect you is the fact that you know, you're certainly a, a good professional, and uh, uh, and you're certainly fond of a good product. And I feel that's the that's the mark of all of us. You notice I never interrupt you when you're saying something nice about me. <laughs> let, let me uh, say something nice about Stan Lee, uh, the uh, editorial uh, piston behind the motor of Marvel Comics, and of course, Stan Lee has been active in so many other areas. Stan, what are some of the things that you are proudest of, and what are you involved in now? Well, actually, I guess I'm proud of just about it. I'm, I'm the kind of guy, I'm proud of everything that has succeeded, and I've totally forgotten anything that might have failed. Uh, right now, I'm uh, New World Pictures has bought Marvel Comics, and they're really a great outfit there. Obviously, they do motion pictures. In fact, they changed their name recently to New World Entertainment. They do television series, video cassettes, and I've gotten involved in all of those aspects of the business, as well as their animation studio. So I'm only really peripherally involved in the comics, and I've never been happier because I, I guess I like being busy, and I've never been busier. And out of the uh, fairness doctrine, uh, what, Jack, are you currently doing? I'm, I'm probably involved in the same sort of thing. Oh, my God. That means that the two of you who uh, indelibly changed the history of comics when you uh, were both in that field, uh, have a shot at changing uh, the, the course of animation, perhaps. Well, uh, I feel that productive people are always doing something productive. And uh, speaking for myself, uh, I've never stopped. 
Well, let me now uh, desaccharinize the conversation, and let's get down to uh, both of your assessments of the state of comics today. I mean, it, uh, enough can never be said about what you have done in the history of comics, but I'd like uh, for, for some specific comments. They go on. I'll, I'll, I'll post the whole video. But if you're looking for it right now, it is part of the Jack Kirby Museum and Research Center uh, page on YouTube. Uh, you can find the video there. Um, what do you think? Voice, so it was like it's not the voice I was expecting. I was expecting more of a heavy, more gruff kind of. You know, I see, I see pictures of Kirby, and I like what deeper kind of bald voice. You know, from him, you almost picture Ben Grimm's voice. Almost, I yeah, love it. yeah. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> um, uh, Jack was a guest at, I believe, the Dallas Fantasy Fair when I was a kid, which somehow got resurrected this weekend. <laughs> yeah, uh, over the holiday weekend, um, they had him in a room that. Easily could have been one of the giant panel rooms before we had giant panel rooms. I remember just being a little kid and all these people wanting to be in this room, standing room only, flowing out the doors. And someone asked Jack about the bullpen. And Jack, this, I mean, it's so weird because this thing, this idea still sticks in my head. Jack gets up and gives a speech about people and he goes, yeah, they called it a bullpen. We were in there like cattle, but these were people. These yeah. were my friends. And he starts to name off every single person he worked with. And you could tell this guy was like the best friend you needed. Um, he knew everyone, their That's, work habits. And just what an incredibly gracious guy to really, you know, someone who's defined comics for so long, but then also bring in these other people and say, they, they were here with us. I'm going to go one step further and say, before we go there, it's like, you know, because we're, we're talking Marvel. It's like the man created some top names in DC, too. Oh, yeah. New Gods, Dark Side, you know, it's like Apocalypse. You know, it's we have one of the greatest villains in DC history because of this man. So, oh, yeah. And it's not just Marvel. He, he did work on both sides. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, his his history on Fantastic Four, uh, his run with Jack was one of the longest ones until I believe it was beaten by... His run with Jack? Uh, Jack and Stan's <laughs> run on Fantastic Four was one of the longest... Well, I forget which one beat that. Was it Bendis Bagley on Ultimate Spider-Man? Probably, yeah. Oh, Jesus, Bagley. I'm not, not... That's another good combo. Yeah. Bagley, Bendis. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, the, the, I think they outlasted Jack and Stan and... Um, well, how about Claremont and Byrne? They went what one hundred and nine to one hundred and forty two, one hundred and forty three, kind of. Well, but I'm I'm more curious as an individual who's worked the most on a comic book. Claremont, Claremont on X Men. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, and 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 then you even add that what he did a Nightcrawler series with uh, Todd Nook a couple of years ago. Yeah. So I mean, you could say he did another another year if you yeah. want to tack that on, just not sequentially. Um. You know, it's hard to talk about Stan without talking about Jack, but both of them did so much for comics, we wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be listening. Uh, you can get into who did what, and you weren't there, and you don't know. And I think about the only person I would trust to give me that information maybe be Mark Evanier, is uh, the Jack Kirby um, connection that... What does he do? He does the Jack Kirby magazine. Oh, I, don't remember. Oh, okay. I didn't even know there was one. Honestly. Oh yeah, yeah. It, and 
I don't think I know anyone else who's done more interviews or talked with him or know more history about him than him. Um, you got any other comments on Jack? No. Or I mean, Stan? The only thing I was – it's – is looking at stuff that people have been influenced. There was a um, – God, it was probably the late 90s, but there was a uh, – and they made an animated series based on it, Black Panther. Yeah. Which was very – I mean – Kirby-esque art style, and that was like another phenomenal kind of thing. It was just, you know, I think somewhat. If I really had, to, if put anything Kirby-based, that like he may not get enough uh, credit for. Um, some of the early like uh, Silver Surfer. Oh yeah, and see the, another another legend story is that there's Jack doodling at his desk, uh-huh. and he draws Silver Surfer. Stanley comes over and sees it and says, "Hey, I want to put that in Fantastic Four. Like he and and. I've seen people manipulate that story to say that's just how Jack. That's how just Jack kept giving and Stan kept taking. Nobody was there. That no, we can't. I know. I mean, it, well, I mean you, you listen. To <laughs> they this. created the Marvel style of writing. There could have been a lot of animosity, but you listen to this interview we just played, and it's like they, were, you know, whether or not it was just two old, two old elderly gentlemen going like, "Hey, you know, it's been so much history. I don't want to be as bitter anymore." Exactly. You would never know if there was anything a bad history between them. You never would have known that. Yeah, I think if you told them, you know, uh, Jack won't be in here in a few years. This may be it. You know, I call, I call that BS. That Stan didn't know that. You know, it, it, somebody told him like, "Oh, Kirby's going to be in New York." You know, call in. But other than that, <laughs> I, I just you know, were people really doing PR spin work for comic books in '87? I, I doubt it. I'm sure Jack did this on, or, or uh, Stan did this on his own. If that had been a few years earlier, I would say, yeah. Was, you, you think back, like, this 82, 81, 82, DC was skirting. And, you know, it, it wasn't for House of Mystery with uh, Swamp Thing and New Teen Titans. They were, those were the two bings that brought their, their you know, sales back. And yeah. So, and, then, and then four years later, you do Christ on Infinite Earth, you know, again, Perez, Wolfman. So it's like, you know, I don't know. There might have been some PR work, you know, because they were, they were doing the whole new, I mean, this was 87, so it's a year later, but they were doing the whole, like, you know, uh, retcon of DC history. And then Marvel was kind of going through its little, you know, again, we've always said how, like, Marvel's never had, like, a very distinct, we're, we're changing that shit up. We have, we have our major events, but nothing, there's never been, for, even with Secret Wars and all this stuff, Marvel still has its own history. Oh, well, we've had all this stuff happen. Whereas DC is like, oh, well, you know, this never happened. This happened. This didn't happen. This happened. And it's like, you know, the history of DC comic books and their Earth One universe compared to the Marvel 616 is, you know, it's it's all connected somehow. And so it's like there's never been a – like we, we, we get the Golden Age, Silver Age, Modern Age, but we never really have a distinct when did things really shake up in their history. So, uh, Do you have a Stanley story? I feel like a fucking broken record. <laughs> no, uh, just going to – um. One of the early Dallas Fantasy Fairs, back when it was over here, it was at the, uh, well, no, it used to be the West, or I don't think it's West anymore, but being the Westin off of uh, 635 and uh, Quake. Okay. Where the, one of the last um, uh, all cons we were at. Right. But, and just going in there and, you know, and again, I know, broken record, you know, I always talk about how, like, we're charging for uh, uh, autographs, but, like, it was just going in there and the line was out the door. And, you bring whatever comics you want, Stan would just sit there and sign them. And I and I just had a couple of stuff, and it was I think he had, uh, it was it's something from the me being me something from the two thousand ninety nine run. But uh, and I got rampage, this, yeah, he wrote rampage yeah. twenty ninety nine. But, but he signed, and it, it, it was just like you know I, I I was ten, maybe eleven. My parents left me there for the day, and or twelve. 
But still, I, <laughs> my mom I, used to do that. Too. Just drop you off yeah, yeah. all day long. But no, but it was. It wasn't like I didn't have to give him cat. And it, it was. It, it was at a different time when comic books. You know, was almost like. You know, it, it was just a, a gleaming time. As you know, like, like I said, it, a couple months later, they'd have Adam West, and it was all these different things, all these guys, and it's like, I just, you could walk up, and now it's like almost at a more golden age time in comic books because you could, you could, you didn't have to have a lot of money and you could go and get your heroes to sign their comic books. Right. And, and now it's like, well, can I afford to get in the con for one thing? Can I afford to have enough money to get my signature? You know, it's like, I, I, I maybe I can get Stan's autograph, or I can get one guy's autograph, and then that's it. That's more where my budget right. goes. And so it's just it's a different time. Yeah, I, there was a there was a time where Stan was out promoting comics, yeah. and then it became Stan promoting himself. Oh, no, I did have a story. I, I, before we, oh, we got time. Oh no, yeah, oh, no I was just thinking we were talking about uh, what was his wife, Joni? Joni. No, it was. Uh, some people don't realize she actually has a voice actress on her credit. Oh, she did some. Uh, she did Madam Web on the uh, 1990s Spider-Man animated series. Ah. And it, it's funny because the last couple episodes deals with Spider-Man in Secret Wars and then into the Spider-Verse because they actually bring different Spider-Man in. And you have her there and she and the very last episode takes her to take Peter to go meet Stan Lee in the real world. And he goes, he's a pretty wonderful guy. <laughs> and I, just, I didn't realize I'm like going, who? Oh, that's his wife voicing Madam Web. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so there, there's another like, just you know, it's you know, it's it, it was it, awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I I I finished uh, the PlayStation Four Spider-Man game this mm-hmm. past uh, week, and Stan shows up in that. Does a cameo in a video game. It's like the guy's everywhere. We know who he is, well, and, you know, and it's neat because people would tell you know people know me at work as the comic book guy, and they would go, "Oh, I heard about Stan Lee." Like like it was like a family member. I know, I know. It's like. <laughs> Guy, there's no offense. He was a hero, but he's not my uncle. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, for me, I guess a lot of these, you know, we did we did the marvelous New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. uh, where we got to do uh, Universal Remote to open up the the, the roast for Stanley. I'm not going to lie, but I think my favorite memory of that's going to be uh, Rob Paulson and uh, Maurice doing Pinky in the Brain. <laughs> oh, we got to talk to Danny about that. Yeah. Oh my sure. God. That was, I, I, you saw him when he used his jokes, he was like, I couldn't have been a happier kid on Christmas morning because, <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> See, seeing, seeing Danny light up from yeah. all the stuff that he wrote coming out of their mouths was, was awesome. Uh, I just, I hated seeing Stan in the older years with his health deteriorating. Yeah. And especially the last year he had. He got through so much he had to go through so much crap this past year. His family family problems, yeah. uh money Business problems, yeah. uh, you know, there were lawsuits, everything. But you, you would see these interviews out of nowhere and he'd be like, Well, well, you know. It's it's kinda like he just shrugs off the bad stuff of yeah. life. And I wish I had that attitude, because man, it would make life a lot easier. I know, same here. Yeah, makes you wonder if he wasn't high himself half the time. Hey, <laughs> I hope so. I always love hearing him talk about going to the college campuses to talk about Doctor Strange in the seventies when they said when when Marvel started doing you know these books that had uh, like karate and. Uh, this what? goes right back to uh, Marvelous New Year's Eve. It's Brian O'Hara and asking, so what do you guys yell when you have sex at night? And Joni calls in, we yell Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Oh, Joni, they're being very mean to me. They're <laughs> <laughs> saying I shout Excelsior when, when we make love. <laughs> we both do. That was the cue. <laughs> uh, Did you ever read any of his DC stuff? Like when, when they had him recreate the DC universe? Yeah. 
because he did a book with Chris Bocciolo. I think it was the Catwoman book. But see, that's the stuff I'm kind of I'm curious. I would like to almost just go back and read. I'm mean, not that I necessarily I don't know if I'd like it, but it's. It, it's it's different takes. Oh, no, I know, I know. I mean, like you wouldn't even like he doesn't even try to go through the mythology. I think he does. He just a, goes. It, it's, it's 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 he does. He it's does by name only. It's it, the characters are only connected by name only. And he does name. Batman with I think John Buscema. Yeah, and yeah, and it's a and it's a real like it's just a guy. I'm trying to remember if it's a guy becomes a bat because I want to say it's more like man bat or a guy that just really dresses up like and kind of becomes a vigilante in a different time period. Yeah. And that's why I, I'm just kind of curious to go find some of these books and not necessarily fall in love. But I, I, do, I think I like they did an omnibus of Stanley presents the yeah. DC universe. Yeah. I think you can find that. I know I've seen it at half price. Okay. Um, any final things before we wrap up? No. <laughs> um, I saw this come out and I just wanted to, uh, <laughs> the birds of prey script dropped and oh, they're they're uh, they're adding to the title "Birds of Prey" and the fabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. What do you think? Really? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm looking forward to the Birds of Prey movie, but like, really, that's the title. How about you shorten? Someone it? wrote that in. Uh, oh, I, I think that they, they, they've got to save her from the Suicide Squad if she wants to do anything else. What was the last cast member that I saw that was added to that? Uh, no, they hired. It was they cast. Um, sh- then we got we got Huntress, we got Black Canary, we got Harley Quinn, we got Detective Moy. Uh, um, was it? Um, Black, Black, oh, oh, yeah, Black, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was Jude Law. Yeah, okay. I, I guess I'm for you. Uh, real quick, jumping on to uh, CW stuff. Casting of Lex Luthor. I'm on board. John Cryer. I'm, I love. I love that. It's like. Hey, I know you did this one, you know, I, Superman. I, I know. Well, the, the thing is, you want to come back into the universe. The, well, no. Here, here's somebody, another friend threw this out, and it's, I he's done recurring roles on NCIS, and he, where he's had his head shaved, and he's kind of been playing Doctor. So I can almost get past, get by it. He's so old, and there's this difference between Lena is really damn young, and he's at least fifty. He's fifty three now, and that's what I'm saying. Like I, this is where I kind of get like I have pet peeves in movies where you try to cast men who are in their 50s trying to have love interest with younger ladies. I'm not saying that lately with the love interest, but, but there's this like, you know, you almost want to keep a certain age gap on those characters. What if, uh, what if you take this Luthor and because we don't know where this Luthor is in this timeline. What if this Luthor is an a an aged, decrepit okay, man so who's been trying, who's been injecting kryptonite, who's been trying to so become that, the thing, okay. you know, maybe... Maybe we see the suit. I mean, he, do you want to see? Do you want to see him in a suit? Well, the thing I was going to bring up is like uh, the, the actress who plays his mom is only a few years older than he is. Oh shit! Yeah. That's my point. It's like you got. Come on now. Yeah, that's where you, like you got to have a younger Lex. Luthor. Well, we're, what we're going to get with John Cryer, I think, is we're going to get a weaselly Lex Luthor. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing that always has kind of bugged me, and the fact that you know, I mean, even Hackman played him as a weasel, and Hackman was fun. But but after the last twenty years, especially yeah. having uh, oh god, what's it, who voiced him? Um, oh, John Clancy, uh, Clancy, Clancy Brown, Brown. Like he's he's this like 
powerful. I mean, Grant, he, he's still smart. That thing's Lex Smith has always been, and that's where I almost thought we yeah. lost him a little it, bit in the yeah. burn stuff. Was he, he was a billionaire, but was he really a genius? Yeah, and yeah. that changed. We got more. They got the genius back, but in the millionaire. But I'm okay with that. Are, are, are we going to bring him back as a scientist? Because that's what he was back yeah. in the 50s. Right. I mean, he was a strong guy. He was a smart guy. He wasn't a weasel. He was basically the guy who was on top of everything. Yeah. Trying to save his version of humanity. That's basically what he did. Maybe they cast him older, and he's trying to save his own humanity now. And he's dying from a disease that's making him age faster than everyone else. I, no. And he sees the he sees the cure in Superman and what Kryptonite is. Maybe, maybe. Or, you know, well, you know, we got Arrow doing the flash forwards now, so I'm wondering if we. It, oh yeah, if he's got some disease where he like he needs to be, but it just it's he's I don't know it, age. It, it, like, I remember there there have been movies I've seen Jackie Chan and he was already an older and and they and they can they cast him aside Jennifer Love Hewitt or you know you got Tim Allen cast and at the time there was this movie he where he was a um, I can't remember the movie but it was him cast next to the chick that was in a Modern Family a mother in Modern Family and there's like you know there's this huge age gap not that it can't happen but it just didn't seem to flow well so I'm just wondering you you got an elderly not elderly but an older Lex Luthor who's supposed to who should be closer to Lena's age and that's you know it's I'm just like. What's the biggest age discrimination you've seen in a movie? Oh Lord, um, I don't know. I think like I, I, I can't talk because like I said there was an eighteen and a half uh, year difference between my mom and my dad. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, really? yeah. My dad was passed away at eighty. Oh. My mom was sixty eight when she uh, she passed away, and that was like four years ago. So it's like there was a major gap. So I'm not trying to do that, but sometimes when you Again, this could be so stupid, but it's when you're doing the comic book stuff, you you kind of want like a closer age thing. I, I can answer that. Go for <laughs> it's it. It's a comic book movie, Ghost World. Wow. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. And there's the creep factor right there. Okay. But, but, that, <laughs> but that I can buy because they, they were close to the, uh, they were close enough to the characters that were in the comic because I've read the comic. But it's still yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Still creepy. Steve Buscemi and um, – oh, God. What's her name? Um, Thora Birch. Thora Birch, yeah. Wow. Okay. So they're – yeah. Sorry. It's, it, I had to bring that one up. No, you're fine. It's, they, the, one that, it's the one that popped to mind. In wow. That's still a good movie too. Um, yeah, but with the way it ends, I don't think that there's a relationship or anything that comes from that. I, I mean, they they kiss. sleep together. Yeah. Do they sleep? Yes, together? in the movie oh. they sleep together. Oh okay. yeah. All right, you went on that one because the next <laughs> the next one I, I was, don't want to. I don't want to win. Not a victory I want. The 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 next one I was going to throw out was going to be uh, Leon the professional. Oh, oh, yeah, okay, that, yeah, okay. Because in the European version, there is a definite different cut with her kind of being sexualized. Yeah, I know. No, and and, it's and, very and, uncomfortable. And it's European version, that's the better version. The American was like, because they edit too much out. When you go back and watch Leon compared to The Professional, it's like, this is a, a slightly different film. It's the same film, but it's like, it's a different cut that really kind of like makes you more intrigued by it. And, and that was like, I think her first acting role. Well, I, I, a, qu- a quick Google search throws up the first one. Uh, and, and for the movie, no less Lolita had James Mason and Sue Lyon, and their age difference was 37 years. Crap. Ugh, uncomfortable. All right. Slightly. Uh, oh, wait a minute. That was the top of the list. I'm going down. <laughs> Drew Barrymore and Tom Skerritt and Poison Ivy, 42 years. Oh, wow. I never saw that, but I know which film you're talking about. Yeah. Um, Kevin Spacey and Mina Suvari. Oh, in uh, American Beauty? 20 years. Yeah, intentional, though. Actually, yeah, that's, that's not just that one. So, so, so I threw out the professional. That was only thirty-three years. So Lolita still has it beat Jesus. by four more years. How uncomfortable is that when you see how young Natalie Portman yeah, Lolita's is? Lolita's already an uncomfortable movie. So. Yeah. 
Oh. All right. I, okay. I, we we got to end this. Week. Okay. Um, what, 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 okay. Any recommendations this week for reading? Um, uh, really, I'm going to uh, – you know, everything I read I was a big fan of. If you love action, uh, Dead Body Road. If you love sci-fi, uh, Oblivion Song, and Sweet Tooth. If you just love comics. I'm just going to go any early essential marvels that was done by Stan Lee. Excellent. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna go out with uh, Stanley uh, from. Let me see here. What is this? Uh, this is creators of the Marvel Universe, Stanley and Jack Kirby from Robert Kirkman's Secret History of Comics. Uh, play us out with some Stanley. Excelsior. Jack was a great guy. He didn't really say much when he was drawing. He uh, sat, puffed a cigar, did his drawing. And it was incredible to watch him because it was as though he had already drawn it in his mind and he was tracing what he had imagined. He never went back and erased anything. He never changed anything. Whatever he put down seemed to be really perfect. And he'd go to the next drawing. Jack and I worked together, we didn't really, he did the work, he did the artwork, I didn't butt in. What I would do is have an idea for a story, and I would tell Jack what I wanted the plot to be. And then I would leave him alone, and he would draw it always better than I had expected it would be. I would write the dialogue after I saw the drawings, which is a great way to do it because then the dialogue and the drawings go together perfectly. See, the other companies, they wrote a whole script and the dialogue was there before the artist drew it. So when the artist was drawing it, he had a hope he was making the character look like he was saying what he was saying. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But when you put the dialogue in after the drawing was done, you could make it absolutely perfect because you're marrying it and um, it, it was a good way to work. When Jack and I worked together, we started out working in the office, but then he became a freelancer who worked at home and his family was lovely, his wife was lovely. But we didn't socialize that much. I, I was too busy working and so was Jack. I kind of miss watching him draw, but every time he'd send the work in or bring it in, it was always as good as it could possibly be. Dallasonair.com.